Play well. Good evening, Mr. Ham. How are you doing this lovely night? Hey, I am wonderful, wonderful. Tired, but wonderful. Tired, yeah. You yeah. said you've been working hard all day. Yeah, yeah. Physical, physical labor will do that to you. It will, it will. Those trees that we were talking about last time, right? I got one of the three cut. Good, And good. Uh, yeah, I've been moving wood all day today. It's just, it's been laborious and backbreaking, and I, I, I like lost weight, <laughs> sweated so much, but it's well, been nice. It's it, good. That's it's, good. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really opened up the front of the house. Oh my god! Didn't realize uh-huh. how much shade that little tree was giving. Oh, so it was <laughs> one of the ones out in the front yard. It was one of the ones in the front. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was indeed. So that's what I've done today. What about yourself, sir? Uh, not much, really. Uh, sat around the house most of the day. Chores. Yeah. Sounds household, like a good way to stuff. spend a Saturday, right? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty nice. <laughs> uh, I did, oh wait, I did do something a little different today. Um, I went, so you know, Omar is going to be doing a 12-hour endurance cycling race. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be his, I'm going to be his support team. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we went we went today and practiced a little bit. Um, yeah, he was riding by on his bike, and I was handing off the water bottles and and food and stuff. Right. While he was in motion, like we were, we were kind of practicing like what we would be doing at the event. Okay, so what kind of food do you hand off? Is it like the gel pack things and stuff like that? Uh, well, the, the way we're going to try to do it, right? So, um, we've got like a couple of little baggies, like, yeah. They look kind of like um, delicate bags for laundry. Oh, yeah, yeah, mesh. yeah. Yeah. So about that, they're the smaller ones. And um, so the the food, it can be really anything. Uh, but we've got, he's got some gels. He's got some bars and then some fruit, like some bananas and stuff. Okay. And we're going to kind of mix and match. And then we've got some different uh, liquid so there's just plain water, and right. then there's some water with like a sports, right? Mix stuff in it. Yeah, electrolytes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got a couple of different bottle mixes that we do, and then a couple of different kinds of food that we do. Oh, that's cool. And so I'm gonna be handing him handing him off those stuff while so, he comes through the the pit area. Okay, so like he'll come through. You're standing still. You hand him the things, and he goes. Yep. Okay. And he's, so it's not have, like you're driving beside him in a car, kind of no, the way no, they no. do the chase cars and stuff like that. No, and you're this just is, like, hey, pull over here and yeah. Well, they have a designated huh. pit area. Okay. And then what he's gonna what, what I'll I will be standing there and I'll kind of hold the bag out to my side. Yeah. And just be still. And then as he rides by, he'll just take it from my hand. Hmm. And that way, it doesn't has the least amount of impact on him while right. he's in motion. Because um, I figure he'll then, be moving on, right? Well, the, the pits have a speed limit. Oh, wow. So he, he can only be doing 10 miles an hour, which is pretty fast. That's still moving pretty good on a, bi- yeah. on a bicycle, yeah. Yeah. So, it, but we practiced. We did several different handoffs. And then um, he's also uh, like throwing his empties. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dropping the trash. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but they're really strict about leave it like you found it. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, I'm not saying drop the trash like as he's dropping the trash there so you can grab it and go. Yeah. 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 He's he's going to just chuck his empty bottles and I'm going to pick them up. And, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds actually kind of cool. I'm, so you, you all are, are like an official pit crew. <laughs> Basically, not NASCAR yeah. necessarily, yeah. but you know, <laughs> I don't really, and and I only have to do something once, like every hour. Well, so that's, that's it's still pretty cool. Yeah, it's it'll be neat. I think it'll be a good, exp- it'll be a good experience. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, awesome. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, yeah, I I know now. Also, aren't you guys going to like do this whole thing where you go over someplace across the country and do a ride or some sort of an... Yeah, no, yeah, that's his oh, race. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Pretty cool, awesome. Yeah. His race is going to be on the West Coast, so... Yay, well, that's a long drive. That'll be all right. <laughs> it, it will be. I, I really enjoyed that drive, so... Yeah. yeah, and it's what he and I both do all day, every day, so we're both kind of professional drivers, <laughs> so we're both we're both pretty laid back about it. Pretty so. much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, spend a lot of time looking through a windshield. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 
A lot of <laughs> a lot of windshield time. <laughs> awesome. So um, last week we talked about the do, do it yourself yourself stuff, the DIY. Um, right. And uh, I think from what I've heard, the the, few, the people that I've spoken to that listen to it, they're like, you know right. what, I've got these stories too, and they shared a few of their own. Um, and they, they run into the same obstacles that we do. Um, a lot of times they see the same successes that we saw, so, um, (laughs) or complete and total failures. So, um, thank you all you guys for listening and, uh, the feedback that we got, you know, either through the website or, you know, face to face, we really, really, really enjoy hearing you guys. And, uh, this week, I think we're going to talk a little bit about something that we alluded to in the first episode. Yeah. Way back, way back. Well, let's take, I want to take a quick second. Okay. So, so we're in October. We are. Halloween at the end of the month. Absolutely. So, and then there's a lot of things that do like the month of Halloween or whatever. So I, we kind of thinking that, hey, let's take this Halloween month and do some, some weird stuff. So we're going to talk about some of these conspiracy theories tonight and yes. then coming up soon. We've got uh, another... Yes, we have a special guest. Special um, guest coming in. Yeah, uh, Kevin from over at... Um, Open Casket Stories. Yeah, he's going to come in and uh, and sit and talk with us on uh, here in a couple of weeks, and we're going to do some ghost stories, legends, stuff like that around the, the area. Um, and, and, you know, even it can... It, we can go anywhere we want with that, because it's it's... Those kind of things are just fun, especially this time of year. I, I really, really, really get in the spooky stuff kind of mood. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're looking forward to these, and we hope you guys enjoy them. Awesome. So tonight, our um, conspiracy theories. We've got a couple, mm-hmm. and um, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to kick the one off here that that I, I love this one. It's one of my favorites. Right. And and you told a little bit about it on the first episode, and it really got me interested. So I want to know, I want to learn more about it, because okay, I don't so know anything about did it. Did you do any research at all? Not on yours, no. Okay. Okay. Good deal. So um, in the first episode, we talked about um, the, the theory that I think is, is just one of the fun ones is the Paul McCartney theory, that he passed away back in 1967. So um, this thing got kicked off three years after the initial quote-unquote death. And it started off with um, there was a song that was written called St. Paul. Now, the song was written not by the Beatles. It was written by a a gentleman here in the United States. And um, in this song, he talks about Paul being in heaven. And the thing is, in 1967, Paul McCartney truly was in a crash. He was in a wreck, or I should say his car was in a wreck. He never was. So the English tabloids reported him as dying during this wreck, um, but he was really not there. He was at this party, and the, the guy that was driving his car was actually going back to the party. So, um, it was kind of like a misunderstanding to, to, to get it going. And then there's been, since that initial okay. report... Wait, now let me stop you real quick. Okay, okay. So, so are you saying that, the, that actually what happened in reality is Paul McCartney was not driving this vehicle? Right. He was and, not driving the car that actually crashed. This is not part of the conspiracy theory. No. Okay. This is kind of what, what kicked it off. Okay. Because, okay. again, 1967, um, the the Beatles are like at their, their height. They're at their heyday. Um, <clears throat> Paul McCartney is in Sussex, England. He is at a party with all of these these people, of course, and... He tell he throws his keys to to one of his buddies and says, "Hey, go pick up some party supplies." <laughs> of course, you know, nineteen sixties. You can imagine. Um, and while the guy is on the way back, he actually wrecks Paul's Mini Cooper. Okay. Okay. So he didn't die, but it hurt him fairly badly. And okay. the initial reports was Paul McCartney's Mini was in this terrible crash, and Paul McCartney died. Paul was really never there. So it was it was kind of like this um I don't know they they reported it and then it was over with. Mm-hmm. Then 
<clears throat> three years later, this song comes out talking about Paul being in heaven. And then the rumors start to swirl. 1969, um, a newspaper on a college campus in Des Moines, Iowa, um, the the one of the reporters starts digging into this, and he's like, all right, I've got to find out what really happened here with this situation. And he starts uncovering all of these things. So now this is two years after... Three. Three years. Three, three years, years later. later. Okay. So three years later, he he publishes this report... This you know editorial saying uh, with all of these clues and this all of this uh, I guess evidence that Paul McCartney actually passed away in 1967 and was replaced by a lookalike. Now <clears throat> the story goes: Paul McCartney, Ringo, John, and George were at EMI recording. Um, I, I want to say it was. I want to say they were recording parts of the White Album. They got in this massive argument, and um, it was getting close to two or three o'clock in the morning. Paul McCartney, pissed off, storms out, gets in his Aston Martin, and leaves. So the rest of the band continue to lay down a couple more tracks so that way they can be a little bit ahead of where, you know. Um, and close to 4.30 in the morning, a British officer, um, his name was Maxwell, comes like, in. Like a Bobby? Like, no, like MI6 or whatever. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, oh. the, the the big guys. Like Scotland Yard or something. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. talking, yeah, uh, like... So he pops in, and he's like, you guys have to come with me right now. And they're like, why? And he said, just get in the car. So he get he loads up the remaining Beatles, George, Ringo, and John, and they take off through the night. And when they get to the scene of the accident, the Aston Martin is upside down in this field. There are two bodies one of them is Paul McCartney, and one of them is his girlfriend. Um, Paul has been decapitated, and they show the remaining Beatles this, and they're like, "Do you see? Can you identify this person?" And they're like, "Oh God, that's Paul!" And he was, and he's like, "Yeah, it, it, it was." So that's what we wanted to make sure. So they go, take them back to the recording studio there at EMI. And a lot, uh, uh, Maxwell, as well as a couple other MI6 agents, lock them down for like days. Why? At the height of Beatlemania, they thought that if a report came out that one of them had died, it would cause like mass suicides because they were, I mean, famously, John said they were bigger than Jesus, right? So. Well, um, Bigger or more popular? More then? popular. Okay, so okay, but um, so yeah, they thought that this was going to like spark massive suicides in teenagers across the globe. So they lock them down in this studio, and they're like, "Okay, how do we as- approach this? Do we tell the public? Do we, you know, ease people into this? What? How do we do this?" And it just right. so happened that um, a couple of months or three or four months before this death took place. There was a look-alike contest that was held. Do you look like a beetle? And the winner of the Paul part of it um, was actually a dude that was he was an orphan. He didn't really have any family, so they go and they get this guy, and they're like, "We can pass this guy off as jo- as uh, Paul. Just give us some time." And <clears throat> so. The following week, they reported that they were no longer going to tour. They were no longer going to do any kind of live performances. Um, the only thing that they would do from that point forward was studio recordings. And it was uh, almost a year <clears throat> before they were able to get the, the rest of the album finished, release it, and then they started work on Abbey Road and Let It Be. Um, the only live performance after this incident takes place is the one that was on top of Apple Records 
um, off right off the edge of Abbey Road there. And um, they are so far away from their audience, you really couldn't tell who was there or not. And this guy is supposed to have looked a lot like Paul. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then there's all kinds of clues that they left or supposedly have left for the fans kind of hinting at this death without coming out and saying it. And after this whole thing, you know, was was created, <laughs> okay. after this whole thing was created, um, MI6 basically told them, if we're going to tell this lie, you're taking it to your grave with you because we will not be caught up in, in a publicity stunt. And um, so they supposedly just the band and Paul's family go to his funeral. It's, they're, they're alone. Um, it's unmarked. It's a grave that's somewhere in um, Greece, a little island that they bought and own. And um, yeah, it's, and then, like I said, and there's, there's hundreds of clues. So, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about a few But of isn't the big that ones. just like a thumb in the eye to MI6 then? If they promise that they're never going to reveal this and then they drop all these hints everywhere? Well, that was the way the Beatles went about dropping the hints. They never come straight out and say it. And even, they're actually even, um, <laughs> From from what I gather, they were threatened on multiple occasions by MI6 because they were starting to catch all of these little hints, and they're like, you've got to stop this. And they're like, okay. And then they just get a little more sneaky about it. So, yeah. Okay. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. Just... So, And you also got to think, this is 1967 that this was supposed to have happened, roughly. And, you know, they don't break up until the early 1970s. And so they have like... Sergeant Peppers comes out. You have Magical Mystery, not yeah, Magical Mystery Tour comes out. Yellow Submarine, um, the White Album, Abbey Road, and Let It Be. And all of these albums contain clues. And allegedly, al- allegedly, allegedly, um, and they call these people that um, that are like hardcore into this. Oh, where where is it at? Um, I can't remember exactly what they call them. They're like um, they're cluesies, I think is what they're called, and they they like they they thrive on finding to, you know these things and deciphering them and listening to the the song lyrics and trying to break them apart. And there's some things that are just a little bit spooky and a little bit odd, even like in their recordings, but. You know, it's the Beatles. They were, you know, making brown, you know, doing groundbreaking things. So, you know, if, if there's weird things, I, don't I know am if it's, the walrus. Could you speaking of the walrus? <laughs> that's one of them. Um, oh no! Come on, I've heard the story as told by the band a hundred times that the whole reason John wrote that song was because he heard a professor at Oxford or Cambridge or one of them was doing a course where they analyze Beatles lyrics and he basically said, let's see them. Ha- let's see them analyze this. And then they put out that song. Okay. So according to Greek mythology, a walrus represents a corpse and it's Paul. That is the walrus. Um, it also said in the song, I am the walrus supposed to be about his death. The lyrics, stupid, bloody Tuesday were, are, is supposed to refer to the last time he was seen alive, that Paul was seen alive, supposed to have happened on Tuesday. Um, the Eggman is re- refers to Humpty Dumpty, which like broke and shattered his head. And they Humpty say that Dumpty the, was a cannon. True, but in the, the children's nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty, that the, the great egg that falls, that cracks open, this is, you're right, it is a canon, but uh, they allude to it by saying that this was, you know, him basically busting his head. So even in that, the, the I am the walrus, there's, there <laughs> are things. And that, that one's on the Magical Mystery Tour. Um, one of the things that's on the Magical Mystery Tour is the, the letters on the front of the, the album. It says, um, where it says, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. Magical Mystery Tour. On Magical Mystery Tour, there's a few different things. Um, one of the things is the starry letters 
of the Beatles' name, um, if you look at it upside down or in a mirror, that supposedly gives you a phone number. If you call the phone number, you'll be quizzed on Beatles trivia. Get it all right? They send you a letter. And uh, there was one incident that supposedly took place with this. A student back in the, the 70s did this. They called the number. They said, hey, you know, they, they started tri- uh, giving them the trivia on all of this. And they said whenever you, he received the letter, the instructions inside says, if you want to have an awesome trip, lick the stamp. The stamp was coated with LSD. He jumped to his death on this college campus. So, again, it's just weird, crazy things. Holy moly. (laughs) Crazy, crazy, crazy things. Um, Sergeant Peppers is the big one. Sergeant Peppers has so, so many clues on the cover of it. First and foremost, the whole cover is set up to look like a funeral scene. There are flowers in front of them, um, and then one set of the flowers is specifically made out to look like Paul's um, his violin bass. It's a Hofner bass. It's also set up left-handed, and it was set up left-handed. Um, there is a doll that's on the front cover that is holding an Aston Martin, and it's like crunched. Um, there is a hand that is raised above Paul McCartney's head on the front cover of the um, the Sergeant Peppers, and that is a symbol of death in a lot of different religions and and different cultures. That a raised hand above you is, you know, it's almost like you know they're saying that this person is gone. Um, let's see what else is on there. There's um, the doll itself is wearing bloody shoes. So they so it's, about it's a doll of Paul McCartney. No, it's just it's just a random little doll that's holding this this car, and it's just it, yeah, it's it's weird stuff there. Okay. Um, and then the mirror on it, if you if you hold a mirror and bisect the um, the cover, you get this. It's like I, and then the word one, and then X or I X, and then he, and then die. It said it's what it says, and it's talking about eleven nine, which would have been November 9th. Would, was the day that he died, and this is when it was supposed to have taken place, 11 9 So that's that one. And then there's, of course, Abbey Road. That's a big one. Now, that's the one where they're walking across the crosswalk. They are. Right? Okay. Yes. So I don't know anything about the Beatles at all, but okay. I am kind of familiar with... That's that like a album? very iconic portrait. It is. Not necessarily just an album cover. That, like That's a really iconic picture. You it see is. that a lot of places. Absolutely. So now... I do remember seeing something about this. So, right, okay. the, three of them are walking kind of together, and then one of them's a little apart and on fire, right? No, no, no. no. Oh, wait, no, on no, no, fire I'm is, is Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, that's what so you were here. He doesn't have shoes on. He doesn't have shoes. That's on. What, okay. And then the outfits that each one of them are wearing mm-hmm. is significant. Where they're walking is significant, and some of the things that are in the background are significant. So the first and foremost, you have Paul McCartney. Well, we'll, we'll save Paul for last. You have um, George Harrison that is dressed completely in white. Okay. Okay. He is supposed to signal, uh, signify the priest. Then you have um, Paul McCartney. So you have George. So you have George Harrison. Then you have um, Ringo Starr. He is dressed completely in black. And he is meant to represent like the funeral director, undertaker type guy. Then you have, um, so it was John that's dressed in white. You have uh, Paul or uh, Ringo that's dressed in black. You have George Harrison that is dressed completely in denim. And he's supposed to be representing the gravedigger. And then you have Paul McCartney, which is out of step with the other three. He's um, not wearing shoes. And in England and in Italy, a lot of times a person is buried without their shoes. And he's uh, the other significant thing that people see in that is that he's holding a cigarette with his right hand. Paul was left-handed. Then the place they are walking from on the left-hand side of Abbey Road is a cemetery. Across the road is the recording studio. 
And <laughs> in the background, there's a white Volkswagen Beetle, and it has a license plate that says 28IF. Had he lived, he would have been 28 years old. So that's what's on the cover of Abbey Road. Well, now the the holding his cigarette in his right hand thing. I mean, you're left handed. I see I you do lots of things with your right hand. True enough. I mean, eh, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, some of the other stuff's weird. Mm-hmm. And then but, we can start getting into some of like the songs. There's some weird things in their songs too. Um, the entire song, Yellow Submarine, is supposed to be them looking up from this coffin. Is basically from Paul's perspective. Um, let's see. Revolution number nine. If it's played backwards, you can distinctly hear John saying, turn me on, dead man. It's as plain as day. It's recorded backwards. So when you're listening to it forward... You can't tell what he's saying, but when you play it backward, that's exactly what's said. Then there's um, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. That's supposed to be Agent Maxwell that came and talked to them that night at EMI. Um, The Glass Onion. Let's see. That talks about... that. That's a significant thing because in early English coffin making, the handles were made of glass or like this crystal, and they were in almost like the shape of an onion, and it says he's looking through the, gl- the glass onion at them. Why would you make the handles of the coffin out of glass? It's, it's just an adornment, you know, something that's... that's I don't know. Okay. Um, let's see. What's another one? Oh, there's so many, but I, I'm, I'm just... Yeah. All right. So you give me all this stuff. Okay. All right. I I don't know if I believe it or not. I'm just gonna be honest. Well, I mean, they've pretty well said that it is a hoax, but well, I. So what is your opinion? Do you think Paul McCartney died in 1967 and was replaced by a lookalike? No, I don't. And here's why. And I and I okay. So I remember there's some other stuff that people that you said about this last time. Like he had a beard for a while while they were doing the plastic surgery. Yeah, to cover uh, the, the that scars was in air quotes like for that. the people yeah. that are listening to this. Oh uh, yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you look at him now. He looks like an older Paul McCartney. He looks right? exactly like Paul McCartney looked when he was younger. He does. He does. I mean, and that's the thing. Now he doesn't wear the beard. He doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. So, and, and if it was plastic surgery, you would think like he would have weird scars. And I mean, come on, plastic surgery in the nineteen early nineteen seventies. It's not going to be pretty. No, it's not. I mean, it's. And they were talking you look, you look about at this doing, guy was supposed to have looked enough like Paul McCartney that they just needed a little nip and tuck here and there. But I mean, even even still. You look at like actresses today who get like a little facelift and they look completely different afterwards. By the way, the guy's name was William Campbell that's supposed to have looked like him so much. So, um, yeah, you're right. You can tell, I mean, that, that they've had this work done. Right. Um, no, I don't think so. The, the thing that really got me interested in this hoax, though, mm-hmm. um, a few years ago when I worked at the quarry, there was a rainy day. We had no work to be done. I went ahead and knocked everything that I needed to for the day out, and I had like three or four hours left there at the end of the day to basically just sit around and either watch it rain or find something to to, to look at on on. So Netflix actually had this um, video, this this mockumentary, I guess is what you'd call it, called "The Last Testament of George Harrison," and. In this this last testament of George Harrison, there was um, he addresses the Paul is dead hoax, and that's pretty much the whole thing. So in 1999, George Harrison is living in California. He's um, he's had a pretty successful career. This guy, this crazy dude, comes in, breaks into his house. And stabs him multiple times. Now this is this this actually happens. Um, they, he was in critical condition. They thought he was not going to make it. And after they patched him back up, he told his then girlfriend, "I don't care what you find. I don't care if it's a you know a a 
give me a, a reel-to-reel, I don't care, a Walkman, something that records. I've got to get this off my chest. And um, he sets down there, or he's, he's, he's laying there in the hospital bed, and he's, he starts telling this story. And it's about, okay, so whenever Paul died, we were taken out there. This is what we saw. He describes the scene. He talks about... Um, and this is Maxwell. After, this is George Harrison. This is after he's been stabbed numerous times in the hospital. This is like day, a few days afterwards. On all kinds of painkillers. He's basically saying, "This is what's happened. I've got to get. I've got to get this out there because I don't want to die without this, with with this on my conscience." So he talks about all of this. I mean, he tells this big story. The, okay. the, the interview is like thirty minutes, something like that, twenty to thirty minutes. Um. And he, where he's talking about all of these things that happen, and he talks about different people, and he talks about like Paul's girlfriend, and how the entire band didn't call Paul Paul after that. Um, they called him Fall because he was false Paul. He was not the real thing. Um, how he was like um, kind of cut off from the rest of them, and he wouldn't like hang out with them. But and they were trying their best to get him to do the things that Paul would do and and act like Paul would act, so nobody would know. But it was like eating at them that they knew this was this was not the right guy. It was not the, the like their their buddy, and they were passing him off as this falsehood. So this wasn't Paul. So this wasn't Paul, okay. and um. And they they actually were even saying like he he said that um, even John Lennon had called him. He was like, "Listen, this is killing me. I've got to get this out the, out there. I, I've got to I've got to tell the 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 people. I'm going to go public with this whole false thing because I, I this is crazy." And he was supposed to have called George and talked to him and talked to Ringo as well about this. And Ringo was like, no, dude, you cannot do that. And George was like, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And right. two weeks later, he was killed in New York. They, they, they're saying that he was even saying that he felt like that the guy that came in and killed John was someone from MI6 that was just sent, an assassin pretty much. And no, I know he's he was just a crazy dude that was, you know. Well, I thought they knew who that was. They did, uh, yeah. The guy didn't even like run. He he shot him five times in the back with a thirty eight, and then sat down and waited for the police to come and pick him up. So um, you think that's a little uh, uh, brainwash, brainwashing, what, uh, maybe um, even something Manchurian that, candidate <laughs> type stuff. There, that's kind of what we're the, what what he said, and he said that um, he had called Ringo within like the past few days and he had and he was saying listen I'm going to go go public I know what happened to John but I can't live with this you know on my my conscience I've got to get this out there and he was stabbed a few days later so he was like they're coming after us now the the MI6 to keep the cover so is wait, coming okay after so, us, I don't, so I don't I don't I don't remember I don't the timelines on this are all weird for me so when so when was he, he stabbed no no no, no. You, you, 1999 you said but yes. when was John John was killed in 1980 1980. Um, he was, so John Lennon was threatening to go public with this in, yeah. in 1980. Yep. And, and then was, he gets shot. He gets killed. And then in 1999, out of no, like George. George Harrison basically just, says, he, listen, he, I've got to get this off my chest. Yeah, but that's well. after he got stabbed. No. No, this was before he got stabbed. He had t- called Ringo and said, listen, oh, Ringo. okay, okay. Ringo, you're the only other person on the planet that knows that this is the way this is. I've got to get this off my chest. And Ringo's like, you know what happened to John? And <clears throat> he was like, yeah, but I, I can't I can't do this anymore. So then they come stab him. So they come and stab him to try to shut him up, too. So they catch Ringo is the only one, basically, that they have not tried to kill. And be but like, you can't mess with Mr. <laughs> Conductor now. True enough, true enough. Now, so... Did they get the guy that stabbed George? I'm not sure. I really don't okay. know. He Did was he just sitting on the floor after he stabbed him four no, times. He was supposedly like this deranged fan that you know that came up and was like, "Hey, I, yeah, I'm going to kill you because I want to be you. I want to wear your skin like Buffalo Bill." Does. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> so yeah, uh, no. And you asked earlier, do I think that Paul McCartney is dead? No. And there's a few th- reasons why. First and foremost, if you look at the way Paul McCartney plays his bass, if you really watch him play his bass, mm-hmm. it's in sync 
with what it was in the 60s. He moves the same way. And even if you don't, even if you like try to mimic someone, your finger position, the way you hold an instrument, that's unique. It's, it's, it's a fingerprint. And he is consistent all the way through. So no, I don't think, I don't think so. I don't okay. think he's dead. And he sounds the same. He does. He doesn't. He's got that, I mean, you know, that yeah. Paul, McCartney, Paul McCartney voice. Yeah. <laughs> Odd thing, too. This is just a, a random thing. You know who owns the Beatles, like, entire collected, like, album? Well, I know who used to own it. Well, it's his estate now that owns well, it? Well, no, not anymore. No? Mm. Why, Paul, where did it, how did that... Paul, Paul got it back. Oh, Paul got it back? After he died. Yay, yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But Michael yeah. Michael Jackson. Well, of all on people. The, on the advice of Paul McCartney. Really? Paul McCartney, they were talking because <clears throat> they're both, you know, famous royalty of rock. Right. Pop, whatever. And uh, they were talking one day and, and Paul told him, he's like, Michael, he's like, if you really want to make a good financial investment, you need to purchase music. Because you can hold on to those rights and make royalties off that for the rest of your life. <clears throat> right. And uh, Michael's like, that's a great idea. So he went out and bought the entire Beatles coll- um, <laughs> collection, library, I'm whatever. Sure Paul was like, whoa, whoa, oh, he whoa, was whoa, furious. Whoa, dude, no, not, not our stuff. <laughs> no, well, so, I mean, there's nothing he could do about it because at the time he didn't have the, per- you know, personally he didn't have the finances to acquire the <laughs> yeah. rights himself. Was it Linda that took him for a ride? Uh, I don't know, but he, he didn't. He didn't have the. He didn't have the money to do it himself. But what made him mad was, um, just a few months after Michael acquired all the rights, he started selling off Beatles songs, licensing them for uh, oh, commercial commercials. And things. Yeah, and Paul was furious about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do recall he seeing want- a lot of their st- or hearing a lot of their stuff on the radio. So, um, if you. Anyone that's out there that's out there wants to to watch the mockumentary again. Uh, Paul McCartney really is dead. The Last Testament of George Harrison. Um, you can get it on Netflix, and it's worth a watch for just a few minutes. If nothing else, just out of sheer entertainment. If you're a Beatles fan at all, and then there's literally hundreds of websites that talk about the death of Paul. Um, and I'll try to throw a couple of links up to a couple of the better ones. There was one that was, I think, Snope, Snoop, Snope. Snopes.com. Uh, yeah, Snopes.com. They have a pretty extensive article about it. And, well, they're, they're famous uh, myth debunkers. Yeah. It's a website dedicated to just debunking. Yeah, and that's pretty much what they do. Internet in rumors and myths. But it's it's still, it's it's a fun read. Um, there's a couple that I was going over uh, over the last few days. And, and I, like I say, I thought it was, I think it's just a fun <laughs> one because there's so many details to it. And if you start looking at all of the little like clues and things, it's just fun. It really, really is just fun. It's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting story for sure. I've never, I never heard it until you said something about it. Um, I mean, how would you think Paul McCartney was dead? Like, who would ever? <laughs> yeah, because he's like playing music. He's going yeah, on tour. He's, and he's stuff. still alive. He's still touring. He still plays music. He's still doing stuff. <laughs> Anyway. It's not him. It's an imposter. It's false Paul. <laughs> it's, it's fall. <laughs> you know, after summer, before winter. <laughs> That's a good story. And and I have one I wanted to talk about. And, okay. And it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory. But in my opinion, what makes this one a little bit better, not better than yours, but just better than most conspiracy theories, is that it actually happened. Oh, yeah. It's verified. And the people responsible for this testified in Congress oh, about wow. their actions. Uh, so this one is a real deal. It was rumored for a while, and then it came out in the late 70s, early to mid-70s, uh, all about it. And uh, there's been a couple of movies made about it. Uh, there's been some other stuff. But it's it's the story of Project MK Ultra. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. The most recent adaptation of it was The Men Who Stare at Goats. Dude, that movie was crazy. I loved it. I it's, love George Clooney, it's, though. It's and, weird. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, and it's, but it's good. <laughs> so Project MK Ultra though, is actually a collection of several uh, classified government uh, research projects. So MK Ultra is actually a collection of a bunch of those. 
Um, it all began in, in the early 1950s at the height of the Cold War. Uh, the U.S. government was starting to fear that the Soviet, Chinese, and North Koreans were using mind control to brainwash uh, U.S. citizens that they had POWs or, or what have you and sending them back. Um, it's like secret agents and double agents. Like, yeah, you know, like these brainwashed dudes that might go kill John, John Lennon, Lennon or something, or something oh, like that. Yeah. How about that? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, so at the time, in 1953, the director of the CIA was a guy named Alan Dulles. Uh, he approved the project. It was a... Uh, Covert collection of projects aimed to develop techniques that could be used against the Soviet bloc to uh, control human behavior with drugs and psychological manipulation. Now, they did use some drugs, but the core of this was the psychological manipulation that they were developing, which is still some of those techniques are in use today. Okay. Um, Many of the tests that they conducted were uh, done at universities or hospitals and on rare occasions in some prisons. Um, so so the, the patients are unwilling? Some. Oh, okay. That some, just makes it so much better, doesn't it? Some are unwilling. <laughs> they had a lot of volunteers, though. We'll talk about it in just a second. Okay. Um, one of the big things, though, was that, that notoriously they kept very bad records. Well, if you're doing something shady, you don't want to leave a paper trail. Well, but if you're doing research, part of that generally is detailed records. True. To validate your research later. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so this was supposed to be scientific. It was supposed to be a scientific research, not just ad lib. Crazy. We're going to try stuff. Yeah. Okay. So the primary. <laughs> so so wait, wait. So you're basically saying this is scientific, not a Grateful Dead show. <laughs> Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. It's funny that you mentioned that. One of the primary, um, like I said, they used some drugs, but right. mostly psychological manipulations. One of the primary drugs that they did use was, can I actually say this? Lysergic acid diethylamide. Diethylamide. LSD. Yeah, lysergic acid, yeah, lysergic acid diethylamide. Yeah. Yeah. One of the big drugs that they used was LSD. Um under the project, under the auspices of Project MK Ultra, they uh, started to fund studies at Columbia, Stanford, and other colleges uh, studying the effects of LSD on the human mind. Uh, after numerous tests, <laughs> uh, it was it was deemed too unpredictable for practical use. So, okay, so you've done the research on this. I, I have to ask the question, was the Kool-Aid acid test part of this? Like the the Leary, Ken Kesey, Mary Pranksters okay. well, type uh, stuff? Well, I'll jump into that then. We'll, we'll talk about that. So let me, let, me, let me give you 10 notable volunteer subjects <laughs> of Project MKUltra. Okay. Ken Kesey. Or the Mary Prankster himself. Uh, the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and the source of the counterculture movement with, with LSD. Right. Uh, he was first exposed to LSD as a volunteer in Project MKUltra. How about that? Uh, he came almost accidentally to be involved in the study. Uh, one of his neighbors was a psychologist who signed up for the project but backed out at the last minute. Uh, Kesey himself was a straight-laced, outstanding athlete at the time. He'd never done any sort of drugs, uh, never even alcohol. <laughs> and uh, at the time when he started the program, he was actually in training for the 1960 Olympics. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, he was on the wrestling team. How about as that? An al- as an alternate. Um, so that was one. Another one, Whitey Bulger. Wow. Famous Boston crime boss, Whitey yeah. Bulger. Uh, and if you've seen the movie Black Mass you'll or heard some of the other stories about him, you'll know that he always talks about his contacts in the CIA. So he really did have those contacts. He really did have contacts in the CIA. <laughs> Robert Hunter. 
Wait, you wait. probably know who this is. Oh my God, you're kidding me! The lyricist for the Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. Robert Hunter. Yep. You know, I, I've been watching um, on um, Amazon. I've been watching Long Strange Trip. I have one episode yet to go, and they actually went out and interviewed Hunter. Um, he's oh, yeah? very, 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 very reclusive. And um, what was it they, they? What are you talking about? He's got. All he's got thousands and thousands of friends out there that he talks to all the time. Well, they come yeah, visit but him. They may he, that may be so, but that the dragon mean, says blur. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you shouldn't say words like that because you, you, you really you do. Shouldn't. Your face does this. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah. So Hunter is like very, very, very reclusive, and like he was actually playing a show. Um, at this like little club, he just does these these off the wall little things. And they went out and interviewed him, and they were like, "So, listen, I know it's probably a little pretentious, but can we ask you what some of these these lyrics mean?" And if I want, if I'm not mistaken, the the, the song that they they gave the lyrics to was "Dark Star," and they're like, "Okay, so so can you tell me a little bit about what Dark Star means?" And he was he's he just rambles off the words. He's like da 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 da, and I mean it's pretty far out stuff. I mean, we're talking, it's like, and he's like, it couldn't get any clearer than that. It's pretty well self-explanatory. That was his explanation. (laughs) Period. He will not. He said, if I tell you what these things mean, it takes away some of the magic. So, no. Good answer. It is. It's a really good answer. answer. So, anyway. So, a few more. Harold Blower, a famous tennis professional. Okay. Uh, He's not really very interesting, though. Uh, James Stanley. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either, but these are some of the more famous people that they list. Okay. Uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal, uh, Marine Corps veteran Wayne Ritchie. Huh. Sounds like there was a, a, a wide array of people as well. Uh, a famous singer, Ruth Kelly. Okay. She was slipped some of her LSD unbeknownst to her. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Robert Hyde. Okay. Psychiatrist, uh, psychiatrist psychologist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, technical services staff agents. This is the Kool-Aid that you were talking so this about. this is the, the Kool-Aid acid tests. Yeah. So they have multiple units working on MKUltra-related testing, including the Office of Security and Technical Services staff. These units worked under the direction of Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, the yeah. the like lead researcher, right. if you will, of the LSD parts <laughs> of the program. Uh, he was interested in the results as of LSD as relating to interrogation. Oh, yeah. uh, but he also believed that dosing public figures without their knowledge could uh, serve several purposes. <laughs> <laughs> including including being used to discredit people of power when they start just like going somewhere. You know, imagine imagine like imagine right uh so imagine 60s, Bill Clinton imagine well <laughs> getting slipped some and being like, All right guys, today we're gonna go ride goats or today we're gonna go <laughs> Oh my gosh, people <laughs> Yeah Well this was the sixties, so it would have been a True. little more serious back then. So what uh Nixon uh, you'd had Nixon. You'd had well. They Kennedy. started in the fifties. So, so yeah, you'd had Kennedy. Kennedy you'd Nixon, have um, Ford. Uh, Ford. You'd had who's before Kennedy? Um, it would have even been before Kennedy. Uh, U.S. history for the Eisenhower. Moon. No, Eisenhower's way. Yeah. But, but, yeah, no, that was in the fifties. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, and then you'd had. Um, Can you imagine Ike and tripping balls on acid? Uh, Johnson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and giving his you know Ladybird. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so they would slip various people acid unbeknownst to them and just study what they did. And uh, according to this website where I found some of this, uh, the most famous person was George H. White. Uh, I don't really know. I don't. He's the head of uh, one of the other studies that they did. Uh, so basically they're him. like, hey, we're going to give the guy that's doing the other research some acid and yeah. see what he does. <laughs> so he, like I said, those are all those are all some of the more famous people that were involved with the projects. Uh, some volunteers, some unbeknownst. Um, wow. Most of the LSC stuff was ran by Dr. Sidney Gottlieb. They also 
ran experiments with MDMA, yeah. ecstasy, right? Uh, mescaline. Holy crap! Heroin, barbiturates, backcountry. You're talking about now. <laughs> you can't park here. This is backcountry. Uh, we were and psilocybin. <laughs> Holy cow! So I mean, we're talking like the heavy, full, yeah, the, the full, full gamut. yeah, the full now, array. Of, some of the tests that they did, I don't see how these people lived. Uh, there was one because they talk about barbiturates and methamphetamines. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they would do in some of these trials was they would start IVs in each arm of one person. And in one arm, they would administer uh, barbiturates. And when the person would start to lose consciousness, they would then inject methamphetamine directly to, into the other arm. To bring them back up. To wake them back up. Oh, my Lord. And it was talking but, about a cocktail. Yeah, but it wasn't like, you know, six hours later. It was just like, boom, minutes. Minutes, yeah. boom, just back and forth. Just You're right. I don't know how they did. The stress on the body, they say, was unbelievable. Some of the stuff that they put some of these people through. Uh, one of the other tests that they ran was called um, Operation Midnight Climax. Okay. The, there's a key word in the operation name there. Yeah. Uh, what they would do is the CIA would hire actual prostitutes to lure unsuspecting men back into a CIA-ran safe house, <laughs> have give them these drugs, have sex with them. All of this would be recorded... And then they would try to uh, get the prostitute to get the guy to talk about personal things to see how well the drugs would affect the the. Were they using like the interrogation? The, okay, so methods? The, I guess at that point they're probably using all the psychedelics. Yeah, they would give them. Yeah, the prostitute would bring the John back, dose yeah. him with acid, and then get him to talk, and then fuck him. Yeah, and then get him to start talking about pillows. You know, a little pillow talk. So they were doing like multiple levels of psychological interrogation. Okay. So like, uh, there's a. I mean, that's a thing where a guy will pillow talk with a with a prostitute. Right. Stuff that he normally wouldn't say. Right. So that's a known because he quantity. feels like this is a safe spot because right. what what really is this prostitute going to be able to say to anyone else? And who hey. would believe him if they did? Exactly. So they so they would not only would they have that going for them, they would have them dosed. With some of these psych- psychoactive drugs, uh, various ones, LSD, MDMA, uh, psilocybin, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but they would just go get random people and do this. And, and the people watching, the the researchers, again, in air quotes, they're watching this right. sometimes, would also be high on these drugs <laughs> while they're conducting the investigation, if you will. Uh, well, most, you need to have a control group, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, control usually means in control, not on high on drugs. Most of Operation Climax was uh, ran in San Francisco, Marion County, and New York City. Go figure, San um, Francisco. Yeah, sure, it was done at the Haight Ashbury. So, <laughs> uh, well, so later on in the research I was doing, it does the research does point out that due to the dead and the guy, the other guy. The, pr- the prankster dude. Can Keezy? Keezy. Due to them and their involvement with this, that really is what kicked off the psychedelic drug revolution in the United States in the oh, 60s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Keezy, the, the merry pranksters, but it, all of that. I mean, you got the the, the bus further. Right, that, but it all came from this. So, this is where it all started. Oh, that's wild. It's cool that the... I mean, it's weird that the government would be the catalyst for something like this, <laughs> but it's awesome that it was, I guess. Right. So George White... The, the other guy that I was talking about, the, the famous guy from Operation right. Climax, uh, he wrote to Gottlieb, the guy that was running the LSD trials, and said, uh, of course, I was a very minor missionary, actually a heretic, but I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill, and cheat, still deceive, rape, and pillage with the sanction and blessing of the all highest. Wow. Oh my God. One of the guys that worked on this project was called Frank Olson. He was a scientist who worked at the CIA and, uh, at a, in 1953 at a CIA retreat, he drank a cocktail that had been secretly spiked with LSD. A few days later, he fell to his death 
from the window of a New York City hotel room and an alleged suicide. His family decided... Are you sure that he was drinking a cocktail and he didn't lick a stamp that was sent to him by somebody from the Beatles website? It's possible. (laughs) That's that's another thing I was like... um, His family insisted that an autopsy be performed. A forensics team found injuries on his body that likely occurred before he fell. So... Pre-mortem. So either he was fighting with something that he thought he saw, yeah, or someone was okay. Okay. So these findings spike uh, conspiracy theories that he may have been assassinated by the CIA. There was nothing ever f- formally, but after a prolonged legal battle, his family was awarded a three-quarter million dollar settlement and received a personal apology from Gerald Ford. Wow. Ken Kesey volunteered for the project. He experimented with LSD while he was in college at Stanford. He later went on to promote the drug, hosting LSD fuel party that he called Acid Tests. Yeah. Uh, Acid Tests combined drug use with musical performances by bands, including The Grateful Dead, and psychedelic effects such as fluorescent paint and black lights. Right. Uh, these parties influenced the early development of hippie culture and kickstarted the 1960s psychedelic drug scene. Yeah, I mean, you had that, like I was, like I was saying earlier, you had the bus further, and they, they would like bring like vats of this Kool Aid out that was laced with LSD, and it was just, oh, it was just a, a party. Yeah. Now, the other side mentioned the famous people right. that were part of this trial. There is one person they left off the list. There was a young student, I can't remember where he went, Harvard or Stanford, I don't remember. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name was Theodore Kaczynski. What? Ted Kaczynski? Yep. The Unabomber. Oh my God. He, he was, was part of, of this? He was one of the, yeah, one of the subjects. <sighs> so you almost have to look also at, at, I mean, you've got these people that on one hand either went completely hippie or others, the other side is they went psychotic, like, like crazy. They're, it broke their minds. Well, no kidding. Holy cow. And this is just the the drug aspects of some of the MK Ultra projects. <clears throat> Excuse me. What finally broke it all down was in uh, 1974, a New York Times journalist, uh, Seymour Hirsch, published a story about how the CIA conducted non-consensual drug experiments and illegal spying operations on U.S. citizens. Uh, his, res- his report started a lengthy process uh, which brought Project NK Ultra into light. Uh, the following year, President Ford, and after the whole Watergate scandal right. and amid the growing distrust of the government, he set up a U.S. President's Committee Commission, sorry, on CIA activities uh, to investigate all these ac- accusations. Um, so he didn't deny it. He actually decided to go in and investigate. Yeah, including Project MK Ultra wow. and other experiments that have been performed on unsuspecting citizens. The commission was led by Vice President Nelson Rockefeller, as commonly referred to as the Rockefeller Commission. Uh, the Church Committee, helmed by Idaho Democrat Frank Church, was a larger investigation into the abuses of the CIA and FBI and other U.S. intelligence agencies during and after the resident resignation of Nixon. Uh, The church committee delved into the plots to assassinate foreign leaders, including Fidel Castro, Congolese independence leader, uh, Patrice Lumumba. It also discovered thousands of documents related to MK ultra. Uh, These revelations (laughs) resulted in Ford's 1976 executive order on the intelligence activities that prohibited quote, experimentation with drugs on human subjects except with informed consent in writing and witnessed by a disinterested party of each such human subject, end quote. Wow. So basically he's shut this down saying no more dosing people without them knowing it. Exactly. (laughs) And they have to be informed in writing with consent by a witness. Yeah. Holy cow. And some of the other things that they were doing, this is just the crazy drug stuff. Right. Uh, some of the other things that they were working on was remote viewing. Right. Uh, mind control. Yeah. Telekinesis. Telepathy. Telepathy. Other just really weird stuff. And they would also administer drugs to these people to try to enhance their latent psychic abilities. Right. Right. Basically, so. <laughs> you know what it puts me in mind of, and it just so happens that I was watching this right before I came over here. What's that? Dr. Venkman 
with his three wavy lines on the little cards and administering <laughs> shock therapy to <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ghostbusters was on just before I came over here, and, and that scene had just played like minutes before. I don't I know. Like, a couple of wavy lines? Like, you just really aren't cut out for this, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting pretty tired of this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Dude. MK Ultra is some crazy stuff. Yeah, I, um, I think yours is better than the Paul theory. <laughs> so it wasn't just focused on LSD. They were also uh, several sub projects. They worked uh, in, in involving sensory deprivation, uh, sexual abuse, including rape, verbal abuse, other forms of psychological manipulation. Uh, they were particularly focused on eliciting, uh, making people feel guilt. Right. Trying to get them to believe that they actually were responsible for the tortures that were being performed on them. This is just, that's broken, dude. That is some messed up stuff. They discovered that a permanently altering a behavior was possible with minimal to no physical contact with the subject. Okay, so... The conspiracy theory that's involved with this. Mm-hmm. So, well, for a long time, people were people thought this was going on, but okay, so it was kind of like one of those things that was. Yeah, people so would talk have, about have seen, it around the water so, cooler and be like, "Did you hear about what happened on this?" And yeah. but then they were like, really not able to find any like any like proof. Yeah, right. Ah, and then it actually came out when Ford had the investigations done. Another, so I told Gerald you, there's, Ford, there's man, been, that's he is, he is for a, a, an for up a, and up kind of guy for he? a bumbling drunk. He was a pretty good guy. <laughs> uh, so another, um, another thing, like, like I said, there's been several movies. One of the other popular movies that was about this kind of stuff was yeah. the movie Conspiracy Theory. I love that movie with Mel, Mel Gibson Gip- and yeah, Patrick Gibson. Stewart. Yeah, and if you notice, Patrick Stewart, a lot of the stuff that he does to Mel Gibson's character, yeah. isn't directly physical. Right, he just he, he just, gives him some he gives him some psychedelic cool. drugs and forces him to watch some things and keeps telling him this is your fault, Jerry. Right, right. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but dude, from what I remember, I was actually thinking about that movie the other day and was thinking, man, I really should watch that again because yeah. it was really good. So, huh? Wow, <laughs> dude. So. MK Ultra is some crazy stuff. Yeah, some crazy stuff. I did watch The Men Who Stare at Goats. Um, when it came out, what four, five, six years ago, seven years ago—I don't even know how long been it's a while. been. Yeah. Um, and dude, it was it was out there. It was weird, but it was yeah. good. It was really it was. Oh good. yeah, it's a great film. Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, and that's one of the other things that got me on that. And there's some, I forget. There's a quote. There's a couple of quotes in there from Patrick Stewart's character, and I believe he even in the movie says that he ran one of the parts of. MK Ultra. Oh wow, that's cool. So, Good reference. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just thought that was weird, and to me, like I said, what made it what made it great was just the um, the fact that it's real. It it really happened. Yeah. And they finally found the proof of it. That would be like if tomorrow fall comes out and it's like my name's really George whatever. Uh, uh, yeah. My, my name's really William Campbell. William Campbell. I was born in blah 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 yeah. and Paul McCartney is buried here. Yeah. Paul go McCartney's dig- on this island over here. You go dig him up and do the <laughs> DNA test. Be like, oh my God, it really happened. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's, that's just to me what made the other one just so bizarre was that as they actually as found it, proof. Yeah, as odd as it is and as yeah. strange as it is. Yeah, there's actually proof out there that it really it was really a thing. It really did happen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Wow. So, conspiracy theories are a lot of fun. I, I love doing conspiracy theories and, and right. reading about them. And, and maybe sometime down the road, we need to pick a couple more, you know, just random things at yeah. some point. And maybe, Why not? Because they're, they're a lot of fun. It is. A it's, lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Dude, that's this. It's been fun. I've really enjoyed this one. It was a good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. That's all I've got though for tonight. I mean, yeah. This this was a pretty good bit of research. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, and like I say, you know, years ago is whenever I was looking at the Paul is dead thing, and it just it's something that just stuck with me. So yeah, same. I heard about Project MK Ultra, and then I saw a couple of the movies that mentioned it, and then I really wanted to know more about it, and I started reading about it, and then you find out like. The Grateful Dead and King Kesey and 
all the, the Unabomber, and you're just like, holy shit, this stuff's like wow. these are real people. Whitey Bulger, <laughs> Ted Kaczynski. You're like, how many people did this affect? Yeah, and and, look, and how look, many people? I mean, these are the people that we know. How right. many people that are still how, like how many nobodies? Yeah, nobody. You never or heard people of. that. Yeah, or people that they have still kept under wraps because I mean. There are things that are classified out there. I I, I know that for sure, you know, but... Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. No, I'm just saying... I'm just saying, you know, how many people... How many people are... Like, these are just the famous people that the names got out. Right. How many names are known that just nobody knows because they're nobody? Right. And God knows what they did behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It was some dude that was walking down the street and a pretty girl offered him free sex and drugs and... Who would turn that down? <laughs> I mean, dude. And I wonder how many of these people were involved and to this day don't know it. Right. Because uh, there were a lot of non-consensual subjects. Right. They just, so, they were in a room. They got a roofie. And when they woke up back at their house, they're like, what happened? Yep. <laughs> and why the hell did that guy keep saying blur? <laughs> Jesus, I told him not to say it. And he just kept saying keeps it. doing that thing every time he says that. Oh my goodness gracious! So I'll try to put up some links. I'm going to uh, do the same. I'll for, put up a few for of MK the, Ultra. Yeah, I'll put up a few of the Paul is dead. Um, you know, a couple of links to those as well. Um, yeah. And if I mean, so if on you our wanna, fa- on our Facebook page, go to the comments under the post for this the the episode you're listening to right now. <laughs> Go to that post on Facebook. Go into the comments. We'll have some links in there for you guys and gals if you want to do your own research. Right. You can and look up some of these stories. Drop us a comment as well. You know, let us know what you think. Or if there's a cool conspiracy theory that that you really like, you know, throw us a link up or, or let us know where we need to look yeah, for it. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that one later. Yeah, yeah. Because I love, you know, diving into that stuff. So Yeah, it's fun. So you can find us at Facebook dot com forward slash two minds podcast you can find us on twitter at two minds podcast you can email us at two minds podcast dot gmail dot com or or you can find us on our hosting site podbean that's pod like like a the, pod like a storage container a pod and then like a bean like you bean, eat like pinto beans <laughs> bean and our web our website there is two minds dot podbean dot com awesome so Give us a listen. You know what? My cup isn't empty tonight. It's full of like theories. <laughs> Conspiracy is what it is. Well, maybe we <laughs> got to go check all those out. We will. Have all a right. good night, sir.